Greetings, troubled listeners. Tonight, the state of our union is troubled. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, hey, buddy. Hey, I'm uh, I'm troubled. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a like trouble. the rest of us. Uh, yeah, uh, we're troubled. Uh, and uh, we're, uh, we're, uh, uh, we're, we're troubled and we're concerned sure, about sure. things that are going on. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I haven't seen you in a week, but this last week has been crazy because we had uh, the Super Bowl. Right. And, uh, and I, it always reminds me of back in the 80s with my friends. We'd have Super Blow weekend. Okay. So we'd get an eight ball and just do blow during the whole like game. Like each person? Yeah. Okay. And it was like uh, Scarface meets, you know, uh, uh, what's that detective's name? Um, I forget her name. Agatha Christie. Oh, okay. It was a mystery. Oh, okay. Or maybe it was Murder, She Wrote. Murder, I don't She know. Wrote. Angela Lansbury. Yeah, Angela Lansbury, right. you know. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's troubling what's going on. We had our Super Bowl, uh-huh. Super Blow, which, you know, my team's not in it. So the only thing I wish for is the stadium to blow up during the game. Okay. Did you watch any of it? I watched most of it okay. while cooking uh, a dinner. It got a little exciting towards the end. Not uh, that I really cared either, but, you know, know, at least I, it became I, a game. I, I, you know. And people, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's so funny how uh, the halftime show. Uh huh. Right, that was a big controversy, right? A lot yeah. of people thought it was too sexy. Yeah, well, and, and well, look at those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I get it. <laughs> look at those people. You know, right, right, right. Complaining about crotch shots, and these are the same ones who voted for a guy who used the word pussy constantly. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. 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 But I, I had, I, I did, actually, that's the one thing I did. I, 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 I glanced at the halftime show. Uh huh. And then I, I remember, I, I looked at myself, this, is, this game's going on in Miami, big mm-hmm. Hispanic community. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's two Hispanics doing the halftime show. Right. Well, two, only, two women, they had some other yeah, male performers yeah, yeah. that were Hispanic as well. Yeah, right, yeah. 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 And then I thought to myself, and they just had voted in the new Hall of Fame class a couple days earlier. Uh-huh, in the football. In the football, uh-huh. NFL. Uh-huh. And the one guy who was, again, denied Hall of Fame access was Tom Flores, the first Hispanic coach ever in the NFL. Okay. The first Hispanic quarterback ever in the NFL. And this guy has five Super Bowl rings. Holy moly. <laughs> and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, that seems like a crime. Man. Yeah, it's a huge crime. So I, uh, I, uh, I put it out there on, on, the, on, 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 the, on the social network. Okay. And uh, I got some responses, you know, likes and stuff like that. Right. So it's a shame. And this guy's like in his 80s now. Oh, okay. He's not going to be around much longer. Right. Why not now? Yeah, why, why not, not now yeah. on this, this, uh, this occasion when they're in Miami and right. it seems like it would all line up? Well, that's my whole point. Well, Hispanic fuck, man. community. Nobody's thinking this through. The NFL, yeah. look, they never miss an opportunity to fuck the game up a little yeah. bit, you know? Yeah. Well, because there's these billionaire owners right. who, you know, are just sitting there going, I'm so rich. I'm so <laughs> now, they, do they have any Hispanic owners? No. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. But there is a congressman in Florida and in California who are uh, going to put a bill up to Congress to get Tom Flores, in, you know, just to get it out there. Uh-huh. You know, to get it out right. there. Right, lodge a know. protest yeah. of sorts. Uh, yeah, but anyway, it, it basically, it's like every league. It's these white billionaires sure. who get to own slaves. Yeah. It's basically how it works out. They're, they're, owning, they're owning people. Right, right, right. And the NBA is the strongest uh, players' union. Mm-hmm. 
where uh, they're actually uh, trying to change the word owner to uh, CEO or something. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So they don't own. Okay, right, right. Yeah. Just to, to put a better face on yeah, it. Yeah, to put a better face on it. Right, right. right. So it's troubling. Interesting. It's yeah, troubling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you Absolutely. know what's even more troubling? Huh. Um, uh, I get curious every once in a while. There's, a, there's, there's maybe like 20 minutes, maybe 40 minutes at work where I have a lot of downtime and I can, I can uh, have it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I hadn't heard the last episode. Okay. Uh, the one that came out a couple weeks ago, John Mooney. John Mooney, yes. Yeah, who was a fabulous guy. Yeah. And he was one of the few guests that's shorter than me. Was he? Oh, well, he is now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah he used to be taller than yeah. me, but, you know, it's uh, yeah. time is a cruel mistress. Yeah. Um, and I, for some reason, I was on the image page, not the uh, other link, whatever. Uh-huh. So I Googled troubled men, and all these images came up. Okay. And this one image came up, and it said, troubled priest. Okay. <laughs> so apparently there was this priest in New Jersey. Um, he's a Presbyterian priest. Uh-huh. Uh, which I don't know the difference, you know. Yeah, I guess it's, uh, what is that? Is that well, uh, Church, Church of uh, England, Presbyterians? That's what they call, yeah, the, I think, I, the Anglican Church here? I don't I think. know. I don't know. Church of Irvine, California. I don't know. Guess, do you have any? Can you weigh in? You're, you're a journalist. You're a learned man. Is, is the, the Anglican Church in, in the United States called the Presbyterians? Am I correct in that? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, then be quiet. Fair enough. Go on, man. <laughs> I, I, I just yeah, don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'll so tell, anyway, tell you if I did. No, no, no. This, this guy, he's like in his late 60s, early 70s, was busted. You know, they're all busted. Right. The priests, the deacons. Sure, you know. the Boy Scouts. Yeah, they're all yeah, getting yeah, yeah. busted. Yep, yep, yep. So, but this guy, I, I, about time. I clicked on the story because this priest gets busted. And he got busted for giving blowjobs to troubled men. Okay. So these troubled men in their 20s, 30s, and maybe 40s mm-hmm. would come to the church, his church, for advice. You know, they're Some counseling. Counseling and all right, that. Right, right. And he told them, the only way to get the evil out of you is for me to <laughs> go down on I'm you. I'm going to suck it out. <laughs> yeah, to suck it out of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know, and they believed him. Well, he was, they believed he was a persuasive him. guy. Yeah, and apparently um, there was Now, about, did it work would be my question. Well, well here's the thing. <laughs> okay. he, he, he did this to about two dozen guys, okay. but only three of them came forward. Uh-huh. So the other 21 guys were like, they were pretty satisfied yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. The, uh, with the with the with the, the evil getting out. Or, yeah, uh, maybe it worked. You know, maybe it worked for them. It's, it's a high percentage. Yeah. You know? it's, but it's, the it's, weird it's, thing was, mm-hmm. is after he blew them, he would kiss them. Ooh, okay. So I think that's what turned off the three other guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I like you, but not that much. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, if this is God's will, that's okay. That's fine with me. Yeah, but, let's just uh, be friends. Yeah, yeah don't yeah. kiss me in the mouth right. after going down there. You don't know where my junk has been. <laughs> right, right. I, I do, yeah. I don't want to yeah. kiss you now. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, a little troubling. Okay, you know, okay. But, and then, uh, then, a nation, you know, uh, if you're a church-going people, if you're religious... You know, just watch out, you know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't take any free BJs from nobody, unless you really like them. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. That's, you, you know. know. You know, full full disclosure, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you know, they have a lot of power, these guys. Uh, well, yeah, of course, you, you know, know. Pre- particularly the believing community, you know, yeah. they, they're, they, they're putting their faith in God, you know, if you're, if you're a, a, a member of one of these denominations, you know, wait, don't tap on the microphone like that. <laughs> um, so like, he's what the he's, fuck he's is like going a crossing on? guard. Uh, he's, no, he's, he's right. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, the, 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 they put a lot of stock in the, the figureheads, the, the, the leaders of, of, this, of, of these different denominations. So, right. you know, that's why it's a crime when they do well, this. Yeah. It's, it's not just, uh, well, you know, yeah. it's two consenting they, adults. They it's, feel that they're separated right. from state. Right. You know, so they can get, w- get they away They can get with away it. with anything. Yeah, it's crazy, exactly. man. It's, yeah. well, you know, there's a lot of problems with the, yeah. you know, like any human institution, it's susceptible to corruption. Right. You know, because it, so it's not necessarily that the, uh, it depends on the institution. You know, sometimes it, you, you really need a, a, a close examination, uh, self-reflection, you know, it's like, you know, they, they brought the unions down because they were corrupt, yet, right. you know, they allowed all of these religious, corrupt religious institutions to continue, Yeah. you know, and uh, really reform would be the best uh, movement well, in all like these things. they're like their own union in, in a way. Well, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. like their own yeah, union. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 they, and they wield even more power because, you know, they have the, the <laughs> power of, uh, you know, the, of heaven and hell to these people that believe this, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. Smite them. Right. Smite them. Right, right, right. So hey, speaking of religion, I got, uh, uh, before, I, I'm sure there's stuff you want to talk about. No, go, go ahead. But a um, crazy thing, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, religion, I, you know, me, I, I don't believe. Sure. I don't, I don't believe in right, any right, of that right, stuff. Right. Um, it's all hocus uh, pocus to yeah, you. Yeah, it's all, yeah. Sure. But there was a, uh, you know, I work at the, uh, the big university here. In, yes. In, in uh, the city of uh, New Orleans. Yes. And I, uh, I have my lunch hour, and I usually spend it in the student center. Okay. Because there's tables, and I can read the paper and right. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's student organizations. It's been going on forever. You know, there's fraternities, sororities. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, the chess club. There's, you know, religious organizations mm-hmm. and clubs and all that. And they're always giving out flyers. Right. They're always giving out flyers. And so I went, had my lunch, uh, a sack lunch, and I went and sat in the table. And there's a flyer there. And it said, uh, come join us uh, uh, for the Bible-thon. Okay. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I kept reading it. And it was some group on campus, I I guess a Christian group. Mm Mm-hmm. That we're going to read the Bible in its entirety. Okay. From yeah, like a marathon. Yeah, a marathon, mm-hmm. a Bible thon. They're okay. going to start at six o'clock on Wednesday and end at noon Friday. That's some fast reading, man. Well, that's what I thought too. Mm-hmm. But I've, that's that's at least seventy-two hours, right? Right. So maybe they're uh, skipping some parts. Maybe just kind of scanning well, it. <laughs> I don't know, but in I a mean, bridge version, perhaps. But so. Th- Who's reading it? Is this just one guy reading it, or is it like uh, a series of people? Yeah, I'm guessing you probably like have a sign-up sheet, you know, and you have coordinators, and they try to make sure every there's they have a person for every whatever half an hour or well, something, you know. I wanted to read like Revelations. Of, okay, I said I'd read Revelations. Okay, but then I thought to myself, but isn't there like many versions of the Bible? There's the old, the new. The, well, I mean, you know, if you're talking about well, you know, you, you have uh, what the Jews call the Torah, you know, it's the 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 books of Moses. So you know the the Gentiles will call that uh, the Old Testament. Okay. And and then uh, you have the New Testament, you know, which is like the uh, the the uh, you know all the apostle books, you know, John. Right. I and, mean, this seems like this seems like a, a really boring event, if you ask me. 
Because usually when you get these flyers, there's always a little asterisk saying free food or free coffee. Uh-huh. Nothing like no that. No cocktails either. No, no, no cocktails. Okay, well. <laughs> Maybe you get a wafer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A cracker and, yeah. Uh, and, and not even yeah, a soda? Yeah. Okay. No, there was no free. Because that's just what gets people to these events, right. these things. If you offer something free. Yeah, yeah, these yeah. flyers, I see, I see them, I get a million of them a day. Come okay. to this organization's event, blah, 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 event. You know, the, the, the Vietnam Club of Tulane okay. is having an event. <laughs> really? Come join oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. Vietnam, Vietnamese Students Organization. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, Not yeah, like yeah. veterans. No, no, okay. no, no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But the veterans many, might show up many, for the free food. How many, yeah, yeah, because they got used to it when they were in country. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, I just thought that was really hilarious that uh, they're having a Bible thon. I wonder how it turned out. Uh, I, it might have been nice to drop in and just, uh, you know, just take a gander, have a look-see. It might be say. one of those events if, you know, you would just drive by and maybe drive through at the same time. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Well, you know? No, no, I, I never begrudge anyone their faith, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever they want to do that, that uh, you know, makes sense to them. And but get, I thought it was hilarious. The day. Yeah. Because I've, I've never read the Bible, yeah. and I know it's a huge book. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it seems to me like it would take forever. I've done some Bible reading, you know. The, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's, uh, so what's been going on with you? Oh, you know, just a, just a whole bunch of, of music stuff, you know. Uh, very busy with that right now. Um, you know, I went into those, uh, those Joni Mitchell uh, covered in vinyl, the Susan Castle project, went into the rehearsal being kind of terrified. Because the Joni Mitchell's, you know, music is very challenging. But thankfully, uh, by, by she's the, di- she died. No, Did no. Again, die? we covered that last time. Oh, okay. She's quite alive. Quite okay. alive. Um, but she's dying. Well, we all are. Again, I yeah. pointed that out last okay. time. Um, but she's closer to death than me and you. It's hard to tell, but she's 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 not in great health. I would say. Okay. I would give you that. Okay. But uh, anyway, uh, the the level of musicianship and and dedication to it uh, carried us through. But by the end of the second rehearsal, I was thrilled with with uh, you know our prospects. And in fact, the gig came off great. It was very well attended. Very successful. I was, I was happy with that. And then I had a couple of days off. I got, actually got to watch the Superdome with, with nothing hanging, hanging over my head. The Superdome? The Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I misspoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so, yeah. And then, then last night we had the Iowa caucus. That was a big uh, debacle. You know, we won't, yeah, what we won't, is a caucus? Well, it's, it's a weird form that they have. We'll get into that with our, with our guest because uh, he, he can weigh in on this. He's, he's uh, a journalist. <laughs> I don't know anything that, about that. Yeah, well, um, uh, and, and another thing uh, that's been going on in the news, we'll get our, our guest in on, is this uh, cyber attack that you know apparently still has, is the city is in the grips of. You know the cyber attack on on the the New Orleans city government. That oh, I, okay. I heard tonight is going to take them six months to recover from. Yeah. Holy moly! What what are we doing here? You know, so, it's well, like still using uh, punch cards. We have operating on Fortran here. Well, I still understand. So the so the city got hacked. Is that what yes. it comes to? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. What, so these hackers, what do they gain by it? I, I think they 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 uh, it's a they ransom create, they demand. They create chaos. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's all they want is just to create chaos. They're they're anarchists. They're uh, you know or Russians or you know whoever you know they're they're. Uh, Sometimes state agents, sometimes non-state agents. So they're not agents. making any profit. Well, no. A lot of times they do demand ransom in order yeah. to to free your 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 computers. And they now, get it. A lot of times they get it. Now, sometimes, just like many people that that uh, demand ransom, sometimes they kill the the uh, the hostage anyway. You know. Right. So sometimes you can pay pay the ransom, and they still don't bust your computers free. 
So it's it's very yeah, tricky. I, yeah, I don't I don't get it, but that's yeah. cool. I yeah, guess yeah. it's all right. They, they seem like good guys. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've never. I I've been. I was. Someone told me I was getting hacked, and I was like, "Well, I got nothing. What do they want from me?" Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's all kind of mischief they can play. You know, they can open up accounts in your name, and you know, even though you may not have money, they can borrow money in your name, and then you'll you know owe it back. So it's. it's but I uh, have no money. No, I'm saying sort of they'll borrow money in your name. You, oh. You'll still owe it though. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, so let's get into our guest, I think. Yeah, this, it seems like a, you know, plenty of good time. So he's a, he's a journalist, he's a folklorist, a drummer, and a producer. He's originally comes, he was born in Nashville, grew up, I think, in Cincinnati. Yes. Um, he's, a, he's an author, he's written a couple of books, one with our former guest, Rick Olivier, that's the book Zydeco, uh, that, he was, that, uh, that our guest was the author of. Rick was a photographer, and yes. his, his, uh, his most recent, or not most recent, but uh, one of his uh, later books was the award-winning Ernie Cato uh, uh, biography, uh, Ernie Cato, the the R&B Emperor of New Orleans. Can I give a quick plug for the website where yes. you can order the book? Yes. It's www.erniekadobook.com. E-R-N-I-E-K-D-O-E-B-O-O-K.com. www.erniekadobook.com. And it's a page turner. It sure is. Yeah, no, I, I own it myself. It's a beautiful book, and it's good. We got the plugs right up top. We got to um, get got, the Got plugs. to, got to. So uh, uh, without further ado, Mr. Ben Sandmel. Welcome, Ben. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Sure. Um, so so uh, the, let's dig right into the Cato book, if you, if you want to, since sure. you're, you're plugging sure. it. So, so uh, did you know Cato well in life? Uh, was I knew him fairly well. And uh, he told me I had to write a book about him. Okay. So I said, yes, sir, at right gun away. Gunpoint? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at gunpoint. Okay. You felt uh, knighted somewhat, you know. Like uh, he had, he had... I felt honored that sure. he trusted me to do it. And uh, we were good friends, and I was good friends with his wife. And I Antoinette. Had Antoinette Cato. Yes. And I had already written an article about him. I went up to D.C. with him. He played on a big show on the 4th of July, 1999, at the foot of the Washington Monument, a big production. Nick Spitzer of American Roots put the show on. Mm -hmm. uh, Tito Puente was on the show. Oh, nice. uh, Shirley Caesar. Oh, wow. Ralph Stanley. Bill Kirchin. It was a great show. Oh, Everybody's my. staying in the same hotel. And I, the same room. <coughs> not the same room. Oh, okay. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. It would have been crowded. Yeah, it would have. Uh, came back and wrote an article for Gambit, which was six typed pages, 1,500 words. And then I realized this is a much, much bigger story than mm -hmm. just six typed pages. This is really a book-length project. So I had been thinking about that, and then Cato just came out with that. And so we started talking about it, and we had made arrangements to uh, drive through his old neighborhood with a videographer and just get him to comment about everything he saw. You know, this club used to be on this corner and I nice. used to hang out with so-and-so over here. Um, but then he died. Nobody knew that he had been sick, but mm -hmm. he actually had been sick for quite a while. And Antoinette would just tell people, well, Ernie has the flu. Uh -huh. And even I saw him about a month before he died and he looked fine. Yeah. But so... I did not get to interview him for the show as much as I intended to. For the I mean, book, you mean. Yes, thank yeah, you, for right. the book. Um, 
fortunately, there were uh, there was a lot of material around town. There were all his old shows on WWOZ. Uh-huh. There were people who had interviewed him, such as Rick well, Coleman. He, he was a DJ on on. Uh, he, he, would he was a DJ. On, well, on. he was a DJ. Well, sometimes he was a guest. Right, right. Mainly right. a DJ. He had a show on WWOZ. I guess from eighty three to eighty seven, roughly. And those shows are just legendary. Well, now, Ben, let's step back a second because, uh, you know, we have listeners all around the globe on the all Troubled the Men globe. podcast. Okay. Yeah, so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Ernie Cato. Well, Ernie, Ernie Cato. legend of Ernie Cato. Yes, our Ernie Cato is known outside of New Orleans for one song entitled Mother-in-Law, which was a national number one hit on both the pop charts and the R&B charts in 1961 and outside of new orleans he's not very well known inside new orleans he's just a culture hero still uh he's been gone 19 years an icon and he to me and this was part of the theme of the book um he was a very serious respected musician i mean he was a top tier New Orleans R&B musician. But he didn't musician. write that song, though, did he? He did not write yeah, that he song. He did not write But he did write some songs that he okay. recorded, and he wrote uh, I Done Got Over for Irma Thomas. So he oh, was okay. not a prolific writer like Alan Toussaint, but he did write. But besides him being a, a respected peer of Alan Toussaint, uh, the Nevilles, Irma Thomas, Fats Domino, Lloyd Price, all the people of the golden era right. of New Orleans rhythm and blues, um, he was a classic New Orleans eccentric. Yes. And part of the theme of my book was that he kind of embodied uh, a rich New Orleans tradition of grassroots surrealism. Uh-huh. And so when I wrote the book, I wanted to have enough music, uh, detailed music discussion in there so that all the, uh, the music nerds with big record collections, such as myself, would have something they could sink their teeth into, but I also wanted it to appeal to people who don't have a record collection, don't mm-hmm. know the history of New Orleans R&B, don't have the context at all, and I wanted it to appeal to anybody who enjoyed reading A Confederacy of Dunces. Uh-huh. So it was as much about New Orleans surrealism, grassroots surrealism, as it was about music history. And Ernie Cato made a lot of other great records in the 60s, um, such as A Certain Girl, Hello, My Lover. Here Come the Girls, isn't he the singer? Uh, that, that was a little later, but right, yeah. Right, right, I love that record. Uh, Tainted the Truth. Yeah, yeah. But none of the other records, uh, there's still classics on the Gulf Coast, and today still wedding bands are expected to know those songs. Right. But they're not known outside of maybe, you know, a hundred-mile radius from New Orleans. But it is so, part of the New Orleans canon. It's part of the, exactly. Yes. I'm glad you put it that way. Yeah, so for those of you who are listening away from New Orleans, Probably the only reason you would have to know of Ernie Cato would be mother-in-law, except for those of you who might be listening in England, where his song, Here Come the Girls, which was recorded in 1970, uh, was used in a big advertisement for a drugstore chain in England hmm. called Boots. And okay, they had sure. it was their annual Christmas commercial. And in England, the Christmas commercials on TV have a comparable level of uh, interest and money and artistry as the Super Bowl commercials do here in the States. So it was a big, big deal for his song to be in this commercial. And the song became a hit. So it was a hit for him again. Actually, it had not been a hit the first time. It was on a tiny little record company that did not promote it. 
So it kind of came and went without a trace. But his version climbed up the pop charts in UK, and then a band called the Sugar Babes hmm. recorded it. Okay. So one of those unlikely things, you know, he'd been dead six years at that point. Yeah. But it was, there were some nice checks for Antoinette. Well, that's good. That's Well, terrific. what about this song? One of my favorite songs of his is a song that I heard him play, because I l- used to live above the Circle Bar, and this was in the last years of his life. When Kelly Keller was, was yeah. the owner of the Circle Bar, yeah. was, was uh, a great patron. White of- man, why are you stealing the black man's music? No, 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 no. No? No, no, no. no. It's called White Boy, Black White. Boy. Okay, and it's yeah. not at all about stealing the black well, man's music. Well, he kept screaming while no, you stealing. No, no, you might. I you, sat there live watching him oh, sing it. I think you misheard him because the song is about racial harmony. Well, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And he came in a limo with his wife and his girlfriend. Yeah. And, well, uh, not necessarily his girlfriend. I mean, just, well, you know. she was. Uh, the wife was driving and the girlfriend was in the back of the limo. I, I wouldn't read too much into that. No. Oh, okay. Well, I just thought, I, th- I love that song. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah, no, it's a Quintron, great... Quintron produced that. It was recorded live at the club Okay. Uh, with the Blue-Eyed Soul Band, and there was this great uh, backup singer named Rico Watts who used to open shows for Cato, and he was an Elvis impersonator, an okay. expert. And when Cato would play there on Sunday nights, and Rico would open the show, and he'd do oh, this I've seen big, that guy. Yeah, no, I, now I remember. Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. big finale with It's Now or Never by Elvis. Uh-huh. And then, then they'd try and bring Cato on, and they had this drum machine that didn't work, and they'd be pulling plugs in and out, and big squeals of feedbacks and, uh, feedback, and Cato would be swearing and asking if anyone in the audience knew how to fix it. It was like, kind of like the second set. Right. And then he would do all his songs. But he did White Boy, Black Boy. And the other song, the flip side, because it came out as a 45, was uh, Children of the World. Okay. And those songs are both in a movie, uh, a Hollywood film called Happy Here and Now, that was filmed in New Orleans in the fall of 2000. Okay. And there's a lot of scenes uh, shot in the lounge, and there's some great performance segments of oh, have to Cato, and you can probably get it from Netflix. Uh, it's called Happy Here and Now. Oh, I'm going to check it's that a, out. It's kind of a surreal detective story. Cool. And Cato said he started, and he didn't. Yeah. But he does have, uh, did That's have a significant role in it. Nice. One of the guys from the TV show The Mod Squad was in it. Really? Link? Which one? Uh, Clarence Williams III. Yeah, he's Link. Link. Yeah, he's Link. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He yeah. just came up yeah. in, on the podcast a couple, couple of weeks ago. Some small actually, world. Yeah, actually just uh, on the John Mooney episode. Uh, oh, when, yeah, when yeah. yeah. I don't Mott's remember, blocking. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Link, yeah, yeah, yeah. Link. Interesting. It all. It all. It's that's the thing about the Troubled Men podcast, man. It's all. It's all. It's universal, it, right? It's all folding into itself, you know. Of course, that's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so that that book has been wildly successful. You won a whole bunch of, of different awards it, for it, it. It did really well. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. very happy about that. And that was that was. Uh, published by the Historic New Orleans The Historic New Orleans which, which, which does great books. They, it they was a beautiful book. It was a beautiful book. Really, they're not, they're they very few, yeah, yeah. there are very few publishers who make nice looking books like that with yes. lots of photos and high quality paper and I, I was very lucky to hook up with them. If I had gone with some other publishers whom I won't mention, it would probably have been a much smaller book instead of 8 by 10 It probably would have been on 
cheap newsprint kind of paper and right. you know maybe eight black and white grainy photos and it, it wouldn't have looked so I'm uh, no, I was very happy document. with the way they they did that there was a woman named Allison Cody who designed it she did a great job yes, and yes. Uh, they they did me right and they let me write the book I wanted because it's kind of a kind of an unconventional book uh-huh. in terms of the approach and they there was an editorial process and we changed some things, but the, the book that I envisioned was the book that came out and that doesn't always happen. Nice. nice. So I'm happy about that. And um, anyone who's listening out there who wants to produce a major motion picture, you're open to that. I'm open to that. My my people will talk to you. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, Well, you know, we have a lot of listeners out in Los Angeles. All all it takes is one, you know, that's exactly one person who gets it. Yep. Um, so the, the book you did before that was Zydeco yes. that you did with uh, Rick Olivia. With, with Rico, yes. And, and Rico, yes. And, and, and uh, I guess you had an association with, with that, that area of, of, uh, of, Louisiana. of Louisiana and that, the, that music already. I want to use that to pivot into your, your other uh, thing that I knew you for initially. I mean, I've known you as a journalist around town, but... But uh, as the handler and producer and drummer for the Hackberry Ramblers. For the Hackberry Ramblers. Well, um, I started getting interested in Louisiana music before I moved here. Okay, I moved here you were in from, Cincinnati? No, I grew up in Cincinnati, but I lived in Chicago for six years. I moved here from okay. Chicago in December of 82, and I was already getting interested in Louisiana music. And I wrote the liner notes for a Clifton Chenier album that was released by a label in Chicago. Okay. I got paid 50 bucks on a set of snow tires. And nice. Well, I needed them up there. Yeah. You could save your life. Yeah. 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 And I think Clifton, it was a good deal. Clifton, <laughs> Clifton came to Chicago, and I saw him play there. And then I came down here. I was getting more into the music. And then I started trying to find work as a freelance writer, and my very first writing assignment here was to go do a feature on Clifton Chenier okay. for a magazine called Louisiana Life. So I went out to Lafayette and it took me five days of going to his house every day to get him to do the interview. Yeah, he kept and, telling you to go away. Well, one day his wife opened the door and he was standing right in back of her and she said, Cliff ain't here, slammed the door, you know, and then... <laughs> Another day, he wanted to have his hair done, and uh-huh. and then finally, he wanted five... That kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, you can't blame him. Can't he wants to look him. good. Well, there was a photographer involved. My wife does that all the time, too. Manny's not here. Close the door. <laughs> yeah, there, there you go. Um, he wanted $500, and I said, well, I, I, I don't have it, and if I go get it, I won't get reimbursed, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm supposed to make money on this. Right. So he said, well are you making money on this article? And I said, well, yes, sir, I am. He said, okay, fine. He said, I'm tired of people coming from all over the world to interview me and pretending that they're not making a penny. So you can turn on your recorder. So for 45 minutes, he gave me a great interview, and I went to flip the tape, and he said, that's it, say two. You know, okay. you, you, you got, he said, you got what you came for. All right. But well. that 45 minutes was great. And then... The Hackberry Ramblers, how I got with the Hackberry Ramblers, and I should give a little introductory capsule summary of them. This was a band. Give us some background. This was a band that uh, two guys actually started. They grew up in Hackberry, Louisiana, which is in extreme southwestern Louisiana, southwest of Lake Charles. And very remote. Cameron Parish. Cameron Parish, yes. A very remote area. 
Uh, but there was oil drilling going on there, and both their fathers uh, were oil field people. So they grew up in this little town, and as teenagers, they started playing at parties together. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, when was this when they were teenagers? Uh, 1930. Okay. And then they started playing on the radio in 1933, and they, that's when they officially named themselves the Hackberry Ramblers. Mm-hmm. And in 1935, they got a record deal with RCA Victor Bluebird, which was a big, big national label. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fats Waller was on Bluebird. Okay. Uh, Louis Armstrong, uh, Frank Sinatra later at different times. They weren't on the same division of the label. They were on kind of a folk ethnic right. uh, division of the label. And they were the first band to record uh, Jolie Blanc under that title. Oh, okay. It had been recorded previously under another title. All right. It's and a, the other who? Pardon me. Who are they? Jolie Blanc. Who? Jolie Blanc. It's a it's a Cajun classic. It's oh, a, okay. it's a I don't know. yeah yeah. You've heard it. You've you've definitely yeah, yeah. heard it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you, yeah you, yeah. You, you, it's if, a you've standard. heard it played yeah, many yeah, many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. It's a standard. Um, one interesting thing about them is that people always think of Cajun music with accordions, mm-hmm. but in the 30s, when they were recording, the accordion was really out of vogue. Okay. It was called the string band era. So they did 80 records for RCA Victor. 80 records. <laughs> 80 songs. 80 songs. 40, yeah, yeah, 40 sure. records. Right, right, right. Uh, and there wasn't an accordion on a single one of them. Uh-huh. So it was guitar and... Uh, two guitars uh, and fiddle. fiddle and yeah. I think some of the latter songs, I can't prove it, but it sounds like electric guitar because okay. I, I did a lot of research on this and electric uh, amplifiers and pickups for guitars and everything were pretty widely available in the 30s. Gibson mm-hmm. started marketing all that stuff. Fender didn't come along till later. Okay. But you could buy a Fender amp, but you could, you could get a little PA system from Sears Roebuck when they first started out using a PA, the clubs where they worked didn't have any electricity, so they used to keep their Model A running through the whole gig. Connected to the battery. Run the PA off the car, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I met them in 1987. I saw them play in 1984. So how old were they in the 80s? If they were around in the 30s, how old were they in the um, 80s? The oldest guys at that point were in their 70s, latter 70s. Okay. So they were, they could still get around and drive by themselves. And, uh, okay. Um, they were still very sharp. They still sounded good. And I went to the World's Fair in 84 to cover it. I was writing for the Picayune. Okay. And I saw them play and they just blew me away because they just had the energy of teenagers, but their style was so out of date. Right. It was like frozen in time. Uh-huh. And then... Uh, so they got me very fired up, and I kept trying to get them on different uh, festivals. I do some consulting work for New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. Yes, you've worked for them for many, many years. Yeah, and we'll and talk I, about that. And in a also, bit. Yeah, for yeah. I do a lot of similar work for the Louisiana Folklife Program. Okay. And I've been trying to get them. I, it turned out I had the wrong guy's number, but when I finally got the uh-huh. right guy's number, I hired them to play on the 1987. Louisiana Folklife Festival, which was held that year in Baton Rouge, and they showed up without a drummer. Okay. And I had been sitting in with the band that had played before, which had also shown up without a, a drummer. Uh-huh. And so I asked if I could play a few with them, and we just clicked like we'd been playing together for years. Yeah. 
because uh, the, the bass player and I both play behind the beat. Uh-huh. So we just locked in. It was really a moment. Because nice. a lot of times you sit in with the band, it can be awkward. Sure. And especially between the bass and drummer, it can be kind of tug sure. of war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we locked right in, and then... And it must have really swung. It, I still have the tape of it. It, yeah. it really sounds good. And um, I started trying to get them a record deal. Uh-huh. And I thought, man, a band with this kind of story, somebody's going to be interested. Right. As the, the journalist in you yeah. realizes that there's, uh, a, there's a story. This is well, well, the journalist in me was right, but, but the, uh, the record guy in me was wrong. Okay. Because, because nobody, <laughs> nobody was interested. <laughs> so I recorded them okay. myself, and I did a deal with a company in Chicago called Flying Fish Records, which is out of business now. They got absorbed okay. by Rounder. And we went up and played in Chicago. I'd gotten a friend of mine to take a really good publicity photo that would look really good if it ran in newspapers. Uh-huh. So all you young bands out there, don't, don't uh, waste your time with a crappy publicity photo. Get something that's going to look good even on the poorest quality paper. And if you do... You can get, say, a, there's a no space. newspapers anymore. <laughs> well, less well, or a website though. You can uh, get, yes, you can uh, get yeah, someone yeah, to yeah. run a picture, say five inches by five inches. Yes, get a good photograph. That's if that you point think. Is well, hard. compared to if you think what it would cost you to buy that amount of ad space in the Chicago Sun Times. Yes. So we got a lot of publicity in Chicago, and everything went from there, and then. Uh, Recorded another album, and again, nobody wanted it. So then I put it out myself, which I really didn't want to do. It was a big pain with all the right. legalities and, sure. and the money. But it got nominated for a Grammy. Nice. <laughs> so we went up to New York, and uh, we played on MTV with Hanson as the <laughs> oldest and youngest Grammy nominees. One nominees. of my favorite bands, Hanson. Yeah. They were very nice kids. Yeah, you they're a great, great band. They, you released the record, they won a Grammy. It didn't win, we got nominated. Oh, you got nominated. Yeah, but we went up to New York for the Grammy Awards. We, uh, we played on MTV. We went, all, went to a lot of big Grammy parties and... Now, and they all dropped I, dead. I, you know, no, I, no. You know, Ben, I, I got to stop you right there because I want to hear about the Hackberry Ramblers at all the Grammy parties. Oh, but, I can know, go on and on. Uh, but you know? uh, oh, but yeah. this is the time in the podcast where yeah. we always take a little break. Yeah. Okay, let's take a break. So, uh, and, and so can, Nation, I my, can I set my mic down? Oh, well, hold on. Before, wait till I turn the, uh, the, machine, the machine off. off. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so right. uh, you know, Nation, go get yourself another cocktail and we'll be right back. And we're back. Back in the ring room, back with the Troubleman podcast. I'm Renee Coleman. With our second round, which yes, is always the better round. round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It well, there, seems it's, it's, like a better round. Because we have a foundation built already, you know, so you can really, it's like, it's, that, that, it's, it's like when you watch a rocket take off, you know, they, they have that thrust initially, but it doesn't quite go anywhere. It sits there and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of fire coming out, but it does it. But then that, as the second stage kicks in, it really, you get some lift. That's what it feels like. Speaking of getting lift. Uh, wait, you... uh, well, I was going to say, with, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Yeah, back okay. with our guest, Mr. Ben Sandmel. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, Manny, you have a point you want to get well, to? Well, yeah. Speaking of Lyft, there, okay. I, I read this story. Um, uh, it happened a couple of weeks ago in, in, in our Bywater neighborhood. Right, right. Which I try to stay away from. And sometimes they call it the bye-bye water. Yeah, yeah. Good bywater. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're done water. Yeah, uh, in the bywater, yeah. they have the, uh, the river side of St. Claude and the, and the di- homicide. The homicide, exactly. St. <laughs> <Saint> Claude. <laughs> yeah, the homicide. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. But I saw this story. Uh, a guy in the middle of the morning walked into the neighborhood of the bywater 
and he just started jerking off in front of people. Did you hear this story? I, I, I did see that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That guy, he was a menace, and, and they kept seeing him on those, those, yeah. uh, those ring doorbell cameras. And, right, he's and just they would call the jerking cops. off. They would call the cops, and the cops wouldn't show up in time. And right, because he, would, he, would he a came getaway. already, and he got away. Yeah, 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 yeah. he came and yeah. went. Yeah, he came and went, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> and then, but the, yeah, they, they, it, was, it was day after day, and, and he Whoa. was, he was uh, you know, accosting people. Yeah, go on. Well, no, my my. Thing was, I saw this story and I was like, "Well, you know, I get it. He's he's crazy. He wants sure. to jerk off in front of women. He, he was women. He was trying to attract. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's assault. But you know, you can't do, you can't do that. Whatever. Um, well, um, you can't do that. Well, no, you can't do that in public. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, what, I, that's what we're yeah, talking about. You can't in public. do that in public. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was thinking to myself. I have no problems with women going around masturbating in public. Well, it might depend on who it was, you know. You know? I wouldn't make any blanket statements here. Let's no, not get, uh, get too, I have too, no uh, problem with that. If okay. women want to go around and masturbate. Now, is that a problem? Have we ever... Have, have, is no, there that's one, another is, thing. Is there one case of that? <laughs> no, that's a thing. I, I, I'm looking for that first, uh, you know, okay, case. Okay, someone to, the, to break the glass ceiling, as Yeah, it there's got to be a gal out there. Sure. I don't care if she's good looking, or okay. fat, skinny, you know, no tits, big tits, you know, no ass, big ass. But if she wants to go around in the bywater and masturbate, I have no problem with it. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, let's, 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 let's I'm keep, totally staying out of this. Keep our yeah. eyes peeled. Yeah, you don't have to get into this. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it's almost know. like that story in Colorado uh, where now women are, are, it's legal for women to go topless. Topless, yes. And yeah, we right. talked about yes, that we did. quite a while ago. Right, right, right. And we said that's either a good thing or a bad thing. Yes. And, and generally we decided that, you know, statistically, um, you're probably going to be sorry that, that, that you allowed this, you know. I mean, look, no, n- not sorry because, you know, we like liberty, you know. We're, we, we're come down on the side of liberty on the Trouble Men podcast, Ben. You know, let okay. everyone, let the market decide. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the well, invisible yeah. hand of the market. But I think in this town... Uh, being such a party town, mm-hmm. and any excuse to have a party in this town. Yes. So women masturbating in public, they might have a parade for it. Well. Or a second line for it. Okay. Because this city will have any excuse to do a party in, instead of a, in dealing with the issues. Yes. You know, like like the the hard hard rock next door. Right. You know, they're getting close to deciding what the hell's going to go on with it. Yes. You know, it's a lot of back and forth. The, yeah, the mayor yeah. doesn't want any, any further uh, uh, investigation or hearings. Well, the city council she's, is pushing got for it. Like a $100,000 donation from the developers. Something funky. I, I yeah. don't know the details, but uh, you know, yeah, it, so, I, uh, it doesn't uh, smell right. It's become, though, I think it's a good thing for New Orleans because it's become one of the best tourist attractions ever. Okay. It's better than <laughs> the World's Fair. It's it's better than disaster New- tourism. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thing because in New I mean, we'll go out there tonight. We'll see tourists looking at this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's typical. Anyway, let's get let's get back to um, get get back to Mr. Ben Sandmel. Yeah, because just when you when we left you, Ben, I was just getting hot. Uh, yeah, well, well, we were, and that's why I wanted to cool you down, just so we could really. Uh, okay. you know, well, that's what you we get cool a, you down just to bring you back. Yep, up. yep, yep. That's kind of like kind of like that's life. entertainment, it's man. The drama, yeah, yeah. It's okay. the drama. So, okay. so when we just left you. Uh, you had the Hackberry Ramblers at the MTV Awards. And, uh, yes. Uh, well, not at the MTV Awards. We were on a program called MTV Live, but okay, it was during right, right, right. Grammy Week. Okay, And Grammy we were on with Hanson as yes. oldest and youngest 
Grammy nominees. And you're making and the rounds with all the... the, the making uh, the rounds. We're going to all the parties. Glitterati. Was Madonna there? Uh, the Kissing Bandit? No, but I think I was. <laughs> I know the kissing man. I think I was in the men's room at the same time as Donald Trump. Actually. Okay, <laughs> but he yeah. didn't try to grab your pussy, did he? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't get near him. Okay, I just good. I good, recognized good call. him. Yeah, right on. Anyway, anyway, on. Um, so yeah, so we had a great time in New York, and then uh, the following year we played on the Grand Old Opry, which was really a thrill. Wow, man! Yeah, and. It, it was kind of a one-shot deal. Uh, a friend of mine said he could get us on there, and I, I was very skeptical. Right. I thought it was just a bunch of talk like you hear all the time. Sure. People are going to do all kinds of big things. And three days later, I got a call from the Grand Old Opry. <laughs> so we went up there, and uh, a friend of mine in Nashville, Rodney Crowell, performed with us because nice. he's, he had recorded with the Hackberry Ramblers. Really? So... We did. But you had to share a room with Ralph Stanley. No. No, we had our own dressing room. Oh, very good, very good. But the thing about the opera is nobody comes backstage to tell you 10 minutes of showtime, five minutes of showtime, get ready. And my guys were just wandering around completely starstruck, you know, uh -huh. going into Charlie Pride's dressing room right. and little Jimmy Dickens and people like that. And so I had to really ride herd on them to make sure we didn't miss the gig because the gig is only two songs long. Uh -huh. So if you're not there, they just... They just move on. They just move on. But it was a real thrill playing there. We played at the Country Music Hall of Fame that trip. And, uh, and then we went to Europe three times, uh, 2002 and 2003. And the guys were getting quite elderly at this point. It was getting harder and harder to travel with them. Right. And so our last road trip, there, um, there was a producer named Keith Stegall, and his big act, I want to say was Alan Jackson. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Anyway, mm -hmm. his office called me and said, well, Keith's dad played with the Hackberry Ramblers in 1950, no shit. and we're having a party for him, and we want to bring you all up as a surprise. Oh, wow. And he had plenty of money, and so we went up to Nashville but at that point, I realized it was going to be too hard to take them on the road. Yeah. They just, you know, I had to count out the number, exact number of steps anywhere we were going to go. Oh, right, they were, right, right, They were right, starting right. to fall. Mm, yeah. um, so that was our last, our last road trip. And then we played Jazz Fest in uh, 2004 and 2005. And then there was Katrina. Well, last time we played was in Baton Rouge in the fall of 2005, okay. after the storm. Okay. And then the, the fiddler, Ludron Darbone, played a jazz fest in 2008. All right. And so that was the very last time. And you wound up, that wound up being like an 18-year run with those guys. For me, I was with them for 18 years Holy up there. Holy cow, those guys were ancient when you started with them. They had another 18 years in, in the tank. Well, you know, they were... Um, they were really good guys, and f for most of the time I played with them, we made 
terrible money, and they went along yeah. with all my harebrained ideas, <laughs> and <laughs> I took them all over the country, and you know, really coast to coast, and. You wrote they, them hard out there. Well, as as hard as you can with guys <laughs> right. of that age, you but know. So, but they're so elderly. Are they traveling with their uh, wives or spouse? You know, well, uh, one guy one guy brought his wife. Sometimes support, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah it's I never bring the women on tour. Yeah, That's yeah, always yeah, a problem. Yeah, but yeah. Well, these guys seem problem. old enough okay. that they have to have this. You know, well, yeah. are they changing diapers and stuff? It did never got never got like that. No, that's good. No, that Manny and I. Or a different story. <laughs> well, right, it could be, but no, it was no, but it was. They were getting too old. No, one one guy brought his son. On, um, okay, nice. a couple of them brought their children. You know, who are about our age. Uh huh. Now, did did their kids play music as well? I'm just, just no, not really. Okay. They, they dabbled Steered a little clear. bit, okay, but right. nobody. Stayed in nobody okay, was there to move. kind of step in and keep the band going with right the on. next generation. Right on. And, I didn't think it made any sense for me to no, to no, do no. that. But they were a band for like what, seventy years or something. Well, unofficially or? since 1930, and officially since 1933. So, 33 to 2005. That's 72 years. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's <laughs> if not the longest running band, then you know among the the longest Close running to bands the Stones. with yeah, with yeah. original. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Stones are getting up there no, for I that. Know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again with the original personnel, it's yeah. not like. The ten groups that call themselves the Ink Spots, sure, sure, or, sure. or, or you know the the, the four beach, freshmen, the, yeah, or yeah, the yeah. Beach Boys, who are not really the Beach Boys. No, they um, still have a couple of original. Just ones, one, yeah. the, the guy that uh, the asshole, Mike Love, guy. Mike yeah, Love, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Wilson just made a statement. Um, I saw that about yes, go ahead, Utah. Made a statement that the Beach Boys band that was playing for a Trump event did not. Well, include they're, they're, the original members. It only included the one original member, but that Brian Wilson didn't didn't want any part of it. Well, because they were playing for a, a big game hunting convention right, yeah. that the Trumps or the Trump right. sons were attending, and, yeah. and that 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 uh, it wasn't on political uh, basis. That that although I'm sure he doesn't agree with that either, but it was on the basis that they couldn't support this big game. Oh, the hunting. big game hunting. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which, I didn't I didn't which, read it that which, carefully. Which uh, which Brian and Al Jardine. Uh, you know who's who's in Brian's b- version of, of right. the uh, Beach Boys couldn't couldn't support. But just to to clarify, well, if you're if you're hunting to put food on the table, it's one thing. But if you're just going over there to kill big animals, yeah, yeah, to kill cats. No, that's, that's sick. <laughs> I think that's sick. I think yeah. it's sick too. Clearly, um, uh, but although the guys in my band were avid hunters, alligator hunters, and. Um, First gig in New York, our guitar player didn't go because it was alligator season and he could make so much more money. Yeah. And that was we, back in the day. You can't do that nowadays. Well, I'm not sure, no. but we played somewhere and our MC boasted that our guitar player had, had killed five alligators and people started booing because it was the wrong kind of crowd. Oh, really? They, it was in they, San Francisco. They thought they were endangered, something, perhaps. Something. It was, <laughs> well, I remember. Uh, when I first moved down here... Where are I, you from? I'm from Los Angeles. And I moved down here uh, in 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. I was car- with Carlo Nuccio. Yes, you know Carlo. I know yeah, Carlo. Yeah. Great drummer. Yeah, we were yes. doing lots of dope at that time. Sure. And you edit um, that out, I guess, right? Yeah, no, no, that and, stays in. And... Um, and Troubled Nation knows all this. this yeah, is, they know all ancient this. Ancient history. Yeah, and uh, we went House of Blues. The Pretenders were playing. Okay. And Carlo, I did not know this at the time, is friends with Martin Chambers, the drummer. Oh, okay, not surprising, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and because we get there, and all of a sudden he 
Carlo bangs on this door at the house. Martin Chambers comes out, and he's got a boot on one of his ankles, and he's got a drum. He's got a drum. He's got like a sprained ankle yeah, or something. Yeah, sprained ankle. Uh-huh. He goes, Carlo! He hugs Carlo. Carlo hugs him. And he, they push us into the club. Never see Martin Chambers again. But Chrissy Hine, the band opens up, and after the first song, she says, Oh, you fucking New Orleans, man. You eat turtles and turtle soup. And they fucking booed the shit out of her, oh, man. <laughs> they booed the shit out of her. But yet, no one left. They stayed right, there right, for right. the gig. She went on with, they went on with their set, right, you know, right, doing right. their hits and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But she was getting, you know, she got reaction. People have misconceptions, you know. It's, there's these cultural uh, norms that, uh, you know, not everybody's clued into to each other's, you know. And, like, people make assumptions about, well, you know, it's... I don't know. I, I, I've never had a taste of tur- turtle soup because it doesn't appeal to me. You know, they're not kosher. It's not so. that good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. Okay. Well, I think it's great. You, you can have ours, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe yeah. I will. They, okay. They, well, I'm not, it's not a threat. It's not a threat <laughs> well, or a challenge. It sounds like he's threatening no, no, me. No, not at all. No, no I'm not okay. threatening you. No, you, right. so, yeah, you eat all the turtle soup you want, man. Now, now so Ben, did we did you know guys like uh, Lil Buck Senegal and, and, uh, and uh, you know, Boozoo Chavis? And, uh, you must well, have... I knew Lil Buck to say hello to him. Okay. I, I spent a day interviewing Boozoo Chavis. I wrote the liner notes for one of his albums. You've written liner notes on like 100 records or something. Well, yeah, more, more like 150, I think. 150. Oh, quite a few. Not so much anymore because people aren't doing them so much anymore. Yeah, yeah, anymore. you can't read them. There. <laughs> no, but... Um, when before everything started changing with with the internet, yeah, I wrote. So I I knew Boozu, I knew Buckwheat fairly well. I sort of knew Clifton, but I was just one of thousands of people who interviewed him. So we didn't right. really we weren't like friends or anything. I was very close friends with Clifton's trumpet player Warren Caesar. Okay, and um, uh, very good friends with Nathan Williams and his family. But there's a okay. lot of people out there on the scene that I might have yet just met for a second or I you know never have met at all right right but right. I do go out to Lafayette three four five times a year it's kind of my you must be friends with Philip Gould Philip Gould yeah, is a, a good friend of mine well great, I stayed uh, with him while I was trying to uh, get the interview with Clifton so I would walk from his house every day to Clifton's house okay and uh, yeah we were very good friends so I, I go out there a lot and uh Kind of like my second home, parallel universe. Nice. And the music scene in Lafayette is incredible these days. Yeah. It's just huge. Tons of young players. You know, Lots like, of young players, yeah. Like, uh, so, you know, we had uh, uh, Andre Michaud on as a guest. Right. Uh, you know, the, like, you know, that's an example of a band that's, that's younger guys who have had huge success. Well, they came when uh, Ludron Darbone of the Hackberry Ramblers passed away. Yeah. They drove 90 miles each way to come play at his funeral. We're talking about the Lost Bayou Ramblers. The Lost Bayou Ramblers, Louis Michaud and Andre Michaud. I forget who else was with them, but uh, that was a very sweet thing for them to do. Those guys mean it, man. They're, they mean it. Absolutely. It's not just the energy that they bring to it. It's the sincerity. You know? Well, I, I, I was very touched, and uh, his son was very touched, too, and it, it added yeah. a lot to the service. So I was very impressed by that. Wow, man. So cool. Uh, man, I just had something else I was going to ask you about. Uh, you'll, you'll segue into it yeah, in a yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
Busu Chavis, Hackberry Ramblers, Boogie Bill Webb. I didn't tell you about Boogie well, Bill yeah, Webb. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so get it. So, I saw back in Chicago, you played with uh, with Sonny Lance Slim. I played right? with Sonny Lance Slim. I played with, uh, you know, I was about 25, 27 years old. Okay. And you played and drums as a kid? Just uh, I did. I had a garage band. Okay. Yeah, we played. Uh, all the surf music, you know, a lot of, uh, the big guy in local, Chicago. Or no, in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. And okay. our local hero guy in Cincinnati was Lonnie Mack. So we played a, oh, a okay. lot of stuff by Lonnie Mack. Oh. So I was in that band starting at age 12. And then I was living in Chicago and um, in my mid 20s, and I was like the third string shortstop. And so um, I would play all these terrible paying gigs that all the young guys like me would play that nobody else would take or I would be the guy and uh, I really wanted to play so Saturday nights I would make a point of being home by the phone for somebody the, that didn't show up on the assumption that somebody <laughs> would not show up and so one night um, Junior Wells drummer did not show up and then he nice. called you know the whole string of established good drummers right. and then he's kind of scraping the bottom Worked of the barrel way down to you. somewhere he's got my name on a bar napkin uh -huh. so the phone <laughs> rings he said uh, this junior wells you working i said no and he gave me the name of the club and hung up yeah and uh so i was thrilled so yeah i played with a lot of those guys sunny land slim the most and the guy who was kind of my my musical mentor a guy named jimmy johnson okay He's oh, uh, uh, the coach of the Cowboys? No, no, no. Uh, the piano player with with that? No, that was Johnny Johnson. Johnny Johnson. But I wrote his liner notes too. Oh, but oh, okay. Jimmy Johnson is Sil Johnson's brother. If oh, you're okay. familiar with Sil Johnson, I am familiar with Sil. And yeah, he's yeah. Uh, 91. He's still playing four gigs a week, and uh, oh, I talk God. to him pretty often. Uh, taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about playing music. You yeah, know? like like time or well, time and uh, you know being a drummer. Uh, it's very hard when you're learning if somebody calls a tune at a tempo that you're not comfortable with and mm -hmm. you want to put it where you're comfortable, but that's not okay. your job. Right. And so I went through a lot of very rough nights trying to put it exactly where they wanted it. You uh -huh. know, I finally, after years, felt like I could do it. Yeah. But it's, it's a long process and you get yelled at on stage and thrown <laughs> off a of stage. The drummers are, are sometimes the, 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 the easiest target for, for, a, uh, for a front man. I think it know? was Bernard Purdy, maybe, who said that a uh, drummer has to please everyone in the band before he can please himself. Yeah. So I went through a lot learning how to, how to keep time, even when it wasn't comfortable for me. Okay. And... Uh, then I played a gig here when I had 103 fever, and I nailed the gig. Then I felt I had finally reached a certain level of consistency. Transcendence. Nice. Something, nice. yeah. Something. But I played with an old blues guy from the Lower Nine named Boogie Bill Webb. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. I know that. And name. Reggie Scanlon played bass. Nice. And Boogie Former Bill... Troubleman podcast guest, by the way. Yeah. 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 I bet he told you some stories. Oh, he's got some good ones. He's got he's some sweet. He's a great yeah, storyteller, yeah. too. Well, and Bill was a major time jumper. So yeah. to play with him, especially to play bass, you almost had to be psychic. It's not as hard for the drummer. But uh, Reggie loves a challenge. Yeah. So we try and play with people like that. We've been playing with a woman named Carol Fran from Lafayette. Okay. And uh, we've played some other gigs here, and I love playing with Reggie. Reggie's terrific. We never have to look at each other the whole night. We just lock in, you know? Right on, right on. Everybody's listening. Oh, yeah. I, I remembered what I wanted to ask you about. Yes. Is, is getting back, and this is, uh, uh, you know, uh, pivoting back from something we we, uh, we 
we skipped earlier, which is all of your interview work for Jazz Fest. Because in fact, you've you've worked for them. This may be like your thirty eighth year working for Jazz Fest. Oh, if, coming if, up, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you are the core, the programming coordinator, and one of the the main interviewers for the Allison Minor stage. Yes. Now, yes. now, uh, Manny was. I was explaining this to Manny on the way here, and he said, "Well, who's Allison Minor?" I was trying to explain who Allison right. Minor was. She was so one maybe, of the people who co-founded. The Jazz Festival yes. with Quint Davis. Right, so you do the interviews in the clubhouse. Yes. The only air-conditioned area of Jazz Fest. Uh, just about the only yeah. air-conditioned Pretty comfortable area. there. Yeah, it's a yes. nice place it's to go. It's very comfortable. Uh, yes. Yeah. Have a cocktail set up there. Right. Yeah, and so you do the interviews Well, there. I program them. I don't... Oh, actually, you don't do the... Well, interview. I usually do one, maybe two a year, but mm-hmm. I try and get a real diverse cross-section of people from the music community. Do you think community. you can get me some free tickets to Jazz Fest this I year? I doubt it, man. <laughs> oh, okay. pretty, pretty tight these days. You know, yeah. you're not I the know. first... If, if no, Fitzward Weeby would call me up every year and well, ask me for tickets. he's dead now. Yeah, but I didn't give him any, so I can't yeah. give him yours. Uh, okay. Right, 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 right. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, no, no. no I, I, there's no one I really want to see. I just... I just I well, you want to give them to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just I try to sell them in front of the gate, basically. That's what I do. I have a friend who gives us free tickets. She works for Quint and she always, and well I, don't I, mention her name you'll get no, her in I'm trouble not, no man. I'm not going to mention her name okay but yeah but uh, yeah I mean this line this year's lineup to me is like come on give me a break this is like the worst ever well you know you've yeah, got Stevie every, Nicks and The Who and uh, a lot of people are going uh, oh, yeah, sure, to oh yeah I'm sure yeah well yeah know? because there are people that age who want to see them you know so yeah, yeah. And, you know you, you, you think about it well like Last year, we lost a lot of icons from oh, a, yes. a generation or two older yes. than us. Yes. Starting this year, now we're losing people in our generation. I mean, it's happening every day, man. Well, like, like the, who? Oh, oh I, don't, we don't, I don't want to get well, into Well, Spencer Bourne last well, no, year. Yeah, Spencer last year, yeah. You know, Spencer's a bit oh, older than me. And, He's and a, the guy from know. Egg Yolk. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, we lost uh, Damon Shea from the, from the Geraniums just a you know, ten days ago, then the fellow from from uh, Egg Yolk, who I saw a million Jeff, times. Jeff Duville, is that how you pronounce yes, it? I think so. I think so. And it was, I, I I've met him briefly. I didn't know him, but I mean, they played with Cato a lot. Yeah. They were they were big in the whole in Cato world. I played a million gigs with those guys, like at the Mermaid. You know, right. they 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 played a million gigs with the Geraniums and. Well, Hackberries uh, used to play at the Mermaid. That was the yeah. first time I took them there. They were scared to death. Yeah. Man. <laughs> they thought they were going to get get dumped in a field. <laughs> well, I think they thought they would all have to leave with blue hair and tattoos oh, okay. and body piercings. But uh, that audience there crazy. loved the Hackberry Ramblers. They went crazy, man. Man, I remember seeing the the, the Hackberry Ramblers do uh, uh, the last time do, doing that song, the Stone song. <laughs> well, no, we no, we didn't do that. But you okay. you are the person who suggested it. Oh, okay. And I thought it was a, a great idea. I thought it was a perfect okay, song for I, them. I thought it was such a good idea. I imagined no, that no, but no, but it. it was no, but I was very I was very impressed that you suggested that, and I thought it fit would have fit perfectly. And I'm not sure uh, it would have been a great. <laughs> but we did do Proud Mary. Okay. We did play Proud Mary. That would be the most recent song we played and you know and most of the stuff we played was from the 30s and 40s or but then we did some some song they did that it sound just i thought oh this is very close to uh, that well Uh, it could have been anyway could have been maybe it's uh, i'll be there do you know that song it was a big ray price song 
Love right prize. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of you know kind of swing shuffle. Right, right, right. Beat. Right. Oh man. So I, these these Hackberry guys are they protected now with their music publishing? Are they protected? Or? Well, I yeah yeah they're protected. Now you've been so, through yes. a lot of the the uh, publishing deals with uh, yeah. with because uh, they were writing songs since the 30s, right? Yeah, but but in those days, uh, not many people claimed the paperwork on all those songs. A lot of the songs would just sit there. I got them to, and there were a lot of their songs that they'd never done anything with, and I got them to sign them to my publishing company. So, oh, so you own them? Then. Well, I own the publishing. I don't. Okay. I'm not the writer or okay, the writers. Yeah. They're the writers. So you're uh, I'm, I'm the publisher. The, uh, well, if if yeah. something gets in a movie, you know, right, every, right, everybody right, right, will right. see some money. You know, because you're not a thief. No, but I've dealt with some thieves <laughs> with counterfeit documents and yeah. documents that. Oh, you were, were telling me a story when 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 I first talked to you about this. We won't mention it. Oh yeah, 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 but, yeah. But a, a guy who had just gone and 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 without any any actual basis had registered all these things. <laughs> well, uh, he'd registered them on documents where he'd written in the date is 1943, but the <laughs> the documents all had his zip code on them, and zip codes didn't exist for another 20 years. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a lot of that stuff going on, and uh, even today, you know, when people have much better access to information, people are still getting ripped off. You know, especially young. Um, Naive people are eager to get ahead, and they don't want to read the the fine print. Right. Or, well, or people, you know, who maybe aren't particularly well educated. And but, I mean, today you can learn a lot online. I mean, back in the fifties and sixties, I mean, you had people who you know no access to information, no access to information, and not a lot of education, and, and people just got just got taken to the cleaners. You right, know? It was right. terrible. Yeah, man. Terrible, and, and and other people made fortunes off them. Yep. So. Well, you know that's the way of art. You know. That's, well, it's that's how it's, it goes. Here, it's the way the of thing. business. It's yes. the way of business. Yes, but but uh, you know ultimately, you know in God's eyes the the art wins. You know in the. Well, it does. It does. It's. Uh, it would be nice to see some of the people. You know, I was glad to see that Sly Stone finally got millions of dollars. Yes. After after years and years, and actually, yeah. Buzu Chavis got a big chunk of money. Nice. Um, Are and, they alive? Well, uh, um, Sly is. Yeah, he's not. Doesn't appear to be in real good shape. No, Buzu, but no, but Buzu the money got, can't hurt. Yeah. Or maybe it can sometimes. Well, for well for some people, but well, yeah. For Buzu, I mean, who's getting the money? Buzu's wife or Buzu's daughter? Well, Buzu's wife has uh, passed away, so it would be uh, his kids. Okay, yeah, yeah. well that's so good. That's good. Yeah. No, that's yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was a nice guy. <laughs> he was a sweet guy. I remember playing a, a gig in uh, at uh, in D.C. at that uh, what's it called the Wolf Trap? Yeah, yeah, Wolf Trap. Oh, I played a Wolf Trap with the Ramblers. Yeah, right. So it was one. It was the summertime outdoor venue. And, and the iguanas were playing, and, and Buzu was on the thing. And Buzu had just closed his hand in a, a barbecue grill and Ooh. cut off a digit of his middle finger on Ouch. his right hand. Oh, and he man. had it all bandaged up, and he showed up at the gig to play He's accordion. He's a, <laughs> a tough guy, man. Those old guys are tough. What were they grilling? I, I didn't ask him. Uh, Sausage, I'm getting uh, okay. yeah, some andouille or something, what, whatever they grill in, in, uh, in that, that region. Lake Charles. He was from Lake, Lake Charles. Charles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he was like 
taking some ibuprofen or something. You know, for, oh for man, the missing those old school guys are tough, and and they don't want to miss a payday either. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, but yeah, uh, paper in my shoe. I, you know, there's that's the song he got screwed on, but okay. they finally got the money, recovered the money for him. All right, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Manny, well, what do you think? you have anything more to add to this? Um, no, I, uh, I, I, it's been a great show. Ben, do you have any final, final thoughts? Yeah, uh, thoughts. You know, um, uh, I can't really think of anything, nice. but I, I appreciate you having me on the show yeah, very much. so great. You yeah. Know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Ben, uh, on the Trouble Men podcast and the Trouble Nation, we always like to say uh, that uh, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues constantly. <laughs> I think that's your closer right there, man. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good night. Thank you. Good Thank night. Thank you. song about a very sad fellow, one called the Poor Hobo!